Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. Storytellers will tell you that the plot of every good story can be boiled down to this. Someone seeking something. The someone can be anyone, from a prince to a pauper, from a rabbit to a hobbit. And the something can be a person, maybe a teacher, or a place, often it's home, or a thing. Golden fleece, golden apple, pot of gold, golden ring to rule them all. Gold is big in stories. The Bible itself is the story of God seeking relationship with us. And along the way, we, as represented by the authentically flawed ancestors in the faith, we sporadically seek God. We find that basic plot in the big biblical stories, Abraham and Sarah and their extended family, Moses and the Israelites, Peter, Paul, Mary, and the rest of the early church. And we also find it in this little story, just 12 verses long, mentioned nowhere except in this second chapter of Matthew's gospel. And even here, it's nestled within two far more significant stories. First, there's the story of Joseph. Immediately before this passage, the angel of the Lord has appeared in Joseph's dream, instructing him to accept Mary and Jesus. And immediately after this story, the angel of the Lord reappears in Matthew's, in Joseph's dream, uh, instructing him to protect Jesus and Mary by fleeing with them into Egypt. And all of this is embedded in the story of King Herod, who is so brutally determined to hold on to power, even if it means taking blameless life. The massacre of the innocents occurs just a few verses after the Magi head for home. And that atrocity, of course, foreshadows the other ruthless Herod, who will later execute the adult Jesus. So today's little 12-verse story is insignificant compared to all of those other big Bible stories. And yet this tiny, tidy example of someone seeking something has captivated human imagination for centuries. This little story has created its own holiday. That is why we celebrate Epiphany Sunday. It has spawned its own collection of carols. We've already sung one and we'll sing one more today. And when you think of the crash scenes that we put up at home or that is out in the vestibule of the chapel, when you think of the crash scenes, you could say that this little story has spawned its own set of action figures. This pint-sized story has had an outsized impact. And I wonder why. Theologically, this story matters because it makes the crucial point that God acts globally as well as locally. 
Back on Christmas Eve, we heard Luke's account of angels singing the good news to the shepherds right near Bethlehem. Today, we're reminded that folks from distant lands are also invited to the manger. That's important. Jesus comes to redeem us all, all. That is foundational Christian theology. But it feels just a little too concepty for why this story has such a hold on us. So maybe the story's appeal is the journey itself, especially as this pandemic continues to hem us in. I bet we've all felt the yearning to seek beyond the familiar. And at our best, we want to be not merely tourists, but pilgrims, stepping out on faith, willing to be changed. I've heard how members of Covenant Presbyterian, some of them in this room right now, have felt themselves changed by traveling to Laganov, Haiti. This congregation has also been changed by journeys much closer to home, changed by serving the night shelter guests in downtown, which we'll do again next Sunday. Changed even by practicing kindness in our daily comings and goings as we emphasize this past September. And right now, of course, covenant is being changed by the journey of pastoral transition. Such changing opens us to the new thing that God is doing. So maybe that's part of what draws us to this story, the process of being changed by our journey with God. The Magi are changed. I mean, they roll into Jerusalem unwisely announcing that they've come to pay homage to a king who isn't King Herod. But after meeting the Christ child, they know they must circumvent Herod by heading home along a different road. Through God's providential care, the Magi are changed. And maybe it's that plot twist that we find so compelling in this story the outwitting of King Herod. Oh, this is a story of God facilitating successful resistance to the evils of the day. That's huge. It may not be the outright defeat of evil, that must wait for Easter, but it is a refusal to collude with the bad guys. It's a story of individuals aligning themselves with God's plan which makes it a welcome reminder that despite all of the activity of evil in this world, goodness will prevail. That certainly appeals to us. In fact, I wonder if that's why you're here, to get on board with the doing of whatever we can to outwit the evil that still resists God's inbreaking reign. This story, then, is something of a pep talk for us all. Maybe we're also drawn to the companionship we can imagine blossoming among these pilgrims. The text, by the way, does not specify three magi. It specifies three gifts, but the number of gift bearers isn't mentioned. It just says it's more than one. And maybe that appeals to us because we need reminding that we are never alone. While every faith journey benefits from times of solitude, The Christian faith is not a solo experience. Jesus promises to be present whenever two or more are gathered in his name. So maybe we, 
who know and need the blessings of this church community. Maybe we are drawn in by the companionship of the Magi. Maybe we who are committed to living as the Covenant Presbyterian family, standing together in defiance of society's divisiveness, valuing we more than me, maybe we celebrate the Magi because we celebrate being part of the faith community that gathers at God's table. What a gift. Which brings us to the gifts. Maybe it's the gifts of the Magi that fascinate us. The gold, like I said, gold is big in stories. The frankincense, the myrrh. Maybe we are drawn to the idea of giving gifts to God. The idea of having something that's worth being given back to the one who is the source of all good gifts. Maybe we love the Magi as gift givers. At the Campbell Taylor House, there are three creche scenes that get set out at Christmas. One is frosted glass from Clark's mother, and one is unglazed clay from my brother's years in Haiti. And the third is this fussy porcelain painted thing that in truth we would have re-gifted years ago, except for one thing. All of the Magi are richly gowned and topped with an elaborate headdress, and each of them stands like this, holding his gift, except due to a manufacturing glitch of some sort, one of the Magi has no gift. He's just standing there in gift position. We would have given away this set ages ago. It's obviously flawed, but we just kept it around for the laughs. Friends have come up and picked up the little guy without a gift and imagined and spoken aloud his thoughts of, hey, why didn't nobody tell me that we're supposed to bring a present? Or maybe, um, hey, buddy, buddy, how about the frankincenses from both of us? Or the classic. The camel ate my present? For years, this little guy has just been good for a laugh. But gradually, he's come to mean so much more to me. Gradually, he has come to become our truest representative of humankind, of all of us standing in the presence of God with nothing much to offer except the fact that we show up. Maybe that's what we love about the Epiphany story, that even though we cannot possibly repay God's infinite generosity, we are invited to offer what we can, offer time and talent and treasure. Never mind gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the Magi offer themselves. They recognize the presence of God and they do the right thing. They fall on their knees in awe and wonder and worship the one who is wonderful counselor, almighty God, the prince of peace. Maybe that's why we connect with the Magi. We yearn to do that too, to wholeheartedly worship God. We can, of course, 
worship every Sunday morning, online, in person, and also all day, every day, in how we live our lives, spend our money, care for our neighbor, care for God's creation, care for the least among us, all of that is worshiping God. And church, we are called to do that because the most irresistible aspect of this story is that it's about someone seeking something. It's about God seeking relationship with us and empowering us to respond by seeking God. Maybe it's as simple as that. We are drawn to this story because it tells of someone seeking something and first and foremost that someone is God and that something is us. This, this story, this story lays out how God seeks us, whether we're nearby, whether we have to be called in from further afield. This story reminds us that in seeking God, we are being changed, transformed by our journey with God. This story provides the pep talk that in seeking God, we participate in the outwitting of the evil of our days. This story shines its starlight on the blessing of community with others who are also seeking God. And this story notes that seeking God can be as simple as showing up, offering what we can. To seek relationship with God, we are attuned to the God who chooses to dwell among us and also empowers us to respond. In contemplating this Epiphany Sunday, my personal epiphany has been this story's connection to communion. I mean, communion is God incarnate seeking relationship with us. So here on the cusp of this new year, may we now come to this sacrament, seeking relationship with God. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org, that's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.